Hello and welcome to the Event Debrief Podcast. I'm your host Paulie and thanks for tuning in. Today I'll be speaking with Goff. He's the owner of multiple event companies in New Zealand and he's also worked as a production manager with some of the country's most legendary bands. In this episode we talk about innovation, collaboration and turning ideas into reality. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Event Debrief Podcast. We chat with the best event professionals to hear their story and discover what inspires them. From event managers, technical producers, and to the team still loading the truck at 2am. Our mission is to create a place to connect, share ideas, and elevate the Australasian event industry. Let's get into it. Okay, here we go. Goff, welcome to the podcast. It's awesome to have you on. How are you going? Mate, I am dangerous. Uh, it's great. It's, I'm all the better for hearing your dulcet tones, let's be honest. Hopefully it's just because of this microphone here that's, um, that I was able to make my voice sound better. You sound exceptional. You sound better than in real life. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Goff, just, uh, you know, last time we worked together was in New Zealand in March, um, but in, in my previous role... Uh, New Zealand, you know, your guys helped us for nearly 10 years, just helping us deliver great work for our clients. How are the guys over there, Simon and, and the rest of the team? Yeah, good, good. Uh, I mean, it's it's a really busy time. I think everyone's kind of feeling that. We've had some outrageous weather events. We're all feeling that. Um, but no, I, I think we're all happy to be here. Now, Goff, one thing I ask all of my guests, you know, can you tell our listeners, you know, a bit about yourself? What was your introduction to the event world and to where you are today? Sure. Uh, well, like every good production manager, I am a failed musician. Um, so you basically you try your hand at being the amazing guy on stage, and then you realise that you um, you're sort of well short of the mark. Although I did um, drop some great shapes uh, in my youth and the fans went wild. There's no doubt about that. Um, but basically I got involved in, in music and bands and then uh, rather than be on stage, I started working in the background doing stuff. So, um, you know, whether it was lighting or sound or whatever, just kind of hanging out in that, in that crowd and then that sort of led me on to more of the sort of production world. Can you remember your first paid gig? Uh, ooh. Uh, yeah, I can remember my first paid gig as a musician. I can't recall my first paid gig, but I did. I've had a bit of um, a really weird situation happen in the last few months where when I was at school, and I think I was 16, uh, I went out after lunch one day with a mate of mine down to the local pub, and there was a band called The Dance Exponents playing there. And we thought we'd go down and hang out and we ended up helping the crew um, build the show and then we stayed for the show and then we packed out the show and then they were like, what are you doing tomorrow? We're in Hamilton. Uh, I'm, I'm from New Plymouth. So, so we jumped in a Hillman Hunter and we went to Hamilton and then we did a few gigs in Auckland. So I ended up doing this like little part of this tour with this band and then I came back uh, and made my parents feel good and I went back to school. But <laughs> fast forward 30-something years ago, I've just completed um, kind of like a reunion tour with, with the dance exponents who then went on to become the exponents. So that was my first like proper, I guess, production type gig. And then I managed to kind of relive it, which was really weird. Um, everyone's kind of 
quite different, but it's still the same thing, still the same songs. People come out, people have a good time. That's awesome. Amazing band and that's that's such a great story. Koff, I just want to talk about you uh, as an artist and an innovator and entrepreneur. Like You're a man that has many irons in the fire, which is something I've always been in awe of uh, as we've worked together throughout the years. You've founded multiple companies such as TSH in New Plymouth, uh, the production company in Auckland and, and Table Hub, just to name a few. And I'll keep going. You know, you're involved in a long list of projects, Parachute, Mobile Stage Co and Puffer and a production manager who's worked with some of New Zealand's most well-known artists, Solomeo, The Exponents, Dave Dobbin. And, and lastly, you have a lovely family with, you know, a wife and two kids. How the hell do you fit all of this in? Mate, my, my incredible wife and my gorgeous children is still an unfolding mystery to me. Uh, I, I mean, I pulled off some great capers in my time, but I'm still amazed that somehow that happened. Um, mate, I, there's very little planning involved in any of this. Um, <laughs> I just kind of, I, I think I'm just open to stuff and I think I just kind of fall into it and I, um, I, I have a kind of quite positive outlook on, on most things. And um, so I kind of like jump into opportunity when it presents itself. Uh, and I struggle to uh, stop doing that um, when often I should. So I, I think, the, yeah, it's not like some great plan or some huge empire that I've tried to build or anything like that. I think it's just I have opportunity and I, I just kind of jump into it and then I get hit with regret. Um, <laughs> and then the key thing really for me is is just lots of people around me who, you know, who share the load. And part of that is the is the best part of the adventure, uh, is is just teaming up with different groups of people and doing different things, you know. It's it's really exciting. Yeah, I must admit that uh, you know, the companies that I've been involved with that, that you've uh, I guess uh, started, they're they've all they're all amazing and they all you know, uh, yeah, they're all amazing people, work, hard workers. You know, are you quite hands-on with all of these projects? Because, yeah, you, it feels like you build these teams that can just run with it. Yeah, look, look, I, I, I kind of am. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm just a hands-on person. You know, I, I, I'm not scared of, of hard work and I'm not, um, you know, I'm not one to kind of walk away from stuff too easily. Um, but it's... it's um, you know, you kind of have to be involved. In New Zealand particularly, you have to kind of be nuts and bolts with stuff. Um, but I think I learnt, uh, when it comes to time management, I learnt that I'm really bad at lots of things. And if I can find um, people that are really good at those things that I'm bad at, then I won't waste a whole lot of time um, trying to do something that will only end up being average anyway. Um, so if I can, like, pair myself with people that are really great at mm. doing stuff that I either hate or I'm really bad at, then the end result for everyone's better, right? Um, exactly. Because yeah. they're really good or really like something that I detest. Ad, admin. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think that's helped with all that, you know. I think that helps keep an even, even sort of keel. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if that answers your question. In fact, I've forgotten your question. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, it is about how much time you spend with each, each business. But, yeah, yeah, like you said, your time management um, – and delegation, I would say. Yeah. I, w- I want to uh, dive into a couple of some of these businesses, but before that, it is it is about what you said. Um, you know, it's a bit nuts and bolts. Now, 
two examples of, uh, you know, one is Puffer Stage, which, yeah, again, I'd love to dive into, and one is Table Hub. Um, these, both of these products uh, are quite unique and, 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 and custom, custom build and custom designed. Yeah, are you the type of person that gets your hands dirty or, yeah, you, or you bring people in to go, to go, oh, this needs to be, I don't know, 3D printed to do this and that? Oh, a bit of, bit of both, really. Um, I think like, uh, like most of my time is with production company, right? So most of my time I'm just immersed in the day-to-day running of the jobs that I have at production company and the general management of that, of that entity. Um, and then off the side are all these other things. Um, and what happens with me is that a creative um, spark will light a flame that will not be quenched. Um, and I have to, I have to find a way, an avenue of outworking that, you know. And and in the case of those two businesses, like Puffer and um, Table Hub, it was like that, like the Table Hub um, idea. So Table Hub, for people who have no idea, um, is the most simple way of, of describing it is it's a. Um, a digital centerpiece. It goes in the middle of a table at a banquet or something like that. It delivers content uh, to the table. So right in the middle of the table, you're delivering content, whether that's sponsorship information or a menu or whatever. And, and I just, I was in Wellington and just woke up going, oh, that'd be a really good idea. I wonder if we could hire one of those. And then discovered that there weren't any. Um, and then young Ryan Hansen, who was with me on a job uh we sat down and talked about it and I was just like, I reckon this would be a cool thing. And then he sort of over that next night um, got obsessed with holograms and said, why don't, we, why don't we create this hologram in the middle of the table? And then it kind of, it kind of just went from there. Like I think, I think we just kind of had the idea, realised that no one else was doing it globally, which was really surprising, and then we're like, okay, well, let's give it a punt. Um, and then it was really a matter of finding people that – were enthusiastic, had time, and wanted to come on, you know, the journey with us. So there's, uh, there's five, yeah, five of us, um, and each, you know, some some people are involved with marketing and some, you know, in governance and all that sort of stuff. So I'm I'm just really bad at a lot of that. So I come up with ideas, and then and then if I can build a team around it that can outwork that idea. Because a lot of the stuff that I've done that's failed, and most of the things I do do, do fail, um, has been because I've been really insular with it. Like I've tried to use either just myself or an existing team around me to try and build this thing that's really outside of our box, and it hasn't hasn't really worked. But, but I am hands-on enough to understand the limitations of physics um, and things that can be achieved and can't be achieved and, and then I sort of defer to other people. The, the puffer cover idea was, um, so the puffer cover is an inflatable stage cover, of which there are now many, but um, again, at the time, jumping on the Google can't find one, um, we were involved with the winery tour that was you know, around vineyards every summer, and we were trying to find a really good staging solution that would be quick and didn't involve a whole lot of machinery, and, and could kind of be deployed really simply and just couldn't find anything. And then one day I was like, oh, inflatable. I wonder if we can, you know. And then I kind of just worked that idea up and I got to meet a great guy called Warwick Bell who he designed the cloud um, here in Auckland and a number of other things. He, he designed the, the rugby ball for the World Cup back in whatever year it was that went around the world. 2011. Know. Not the little rugby ball. 
the people kick, not that, no. The big rugby ball that turned into a bar, yeah, yeah, that one. So, um, yeah, he did that and, and I got to know him and he, he joined us on the journey of designing this thing and then a couple of guys, Matt and Joe in Cambridge, got, got really involved in, in the mechanics of it and I, I think I learned a lot about, um, you know, R&D and all that at the time and we built it. And it cost so much more money than we thought it would. And we did a couple of seasons. And then what happened was people just ripped off the idea and um, kind of imported smaller versions of it from China. Like the, the big one, our one, was this big kind of engineered proper thing, you know. And then and then guys came in with in the same colours as ours, which was really disappointing. And they kind of cannibalised the market and, and it kind of couldn't, it couldn't really progress in the way that we wanted. But it was a really good adventure. Um, along the way, cool. yeah. So and we so we sold it off at the start of COVID um, to a lovely uh, man called Henry down in the Hawks Bay, and he's he's using elements of it and and you know using the whole thing depending on what he wants to do. So so it still exists, but just not um, not in my world. You learn a lot from things that don't quite work the way you want them to. I think uh, I'm trying that out right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, what I'm finding just trying to do this is uh, trying to find people's time. Uh, you know, this is something done for free and it's, yeah. it just gets pushed down the line. So, Yeah, mate, but I, I um, you know, over particularly the COVID time, I listened to a lot of this sort of stuff and elements of it saved me, you know. Um, elements of it didn't. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, there's there's... You know, there's a lot of people that I know and respect. I listen to their stuff, and I was just like, "Oh, this is awesome!" You know, like it's a really good, it's a really good thing to do because you're never going to sit down over a beer and have this chat, right? So this is the way to try and do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, are there any other, you know, projects or businesses that uh, I guess maybe I haven't mentioned that you'd, you'd want to talk about? Yeah, like um, Make Light Interactive. Are you up with that one? So that was. Um, <laughs> That was, uh, uh, I don't know, like a decade ago, went to Coldplay, uh, who who I hate. Um, <laughs> and um, I went along, I can't remember why I went, but they had the wristbands. You remember the wristbands they had and they used to yes. light up and stuff? Mm-hmm. And I'd been to that and then I went to a party with some designer friends and um, and I was saying, you know, like that that – immersive experience of the wristband is really cool but they had to have containers of wristbands to give to people and then the cost of that had to be you know bought into the ticket price and all this sort of stuff and it just it just didn't make sense other than it was awesome um and a lot of people, a lot of people are doing it now with wands and hats and stuff you know so at some point in the evening i was like you could probably do it with a phone if you could just utilize something that people have already got um you could just everyone keep their phones out and do that, and then within a short period of time, uh, Joanna, who was one of the designers, was like, "Yeah, we can do this." I know this guy Nick; he writes code. Um, so we got together, and he wrote code, and we were we put on a gig at a theatre in town with a band, guys that we knew, and everyone had to bring their iPhone four or whatever it was. <laughs> it had to, it had to be this spec, and we ran it on Wi-Fi, and we had like. I don't know, a couple hundred people with their phones using it the same way Coldplay did with these things. And, um, you know, that, and that thing went around the world and we, and we launched a company in the UK. And, um, but we just couldn't quite get it right. You know, we couldn't quite nail the technology. Um, 
and it sort of ended up going by the wayside. But in terms of a, of a, a startup business and, and getting in um, and doing stuff, it, it did a lot of stuff, you know, and we did, we did work with Vodafone in Europe and we did work with the BBC and we did, you know, all, all sorts of cool stuff. But just it, it didn't, as a business, get to a point where it, it, it kind of progressed and, and washed its face and went on to become something. It kind of lost its way. But for all of us, but particularly for Joanna and for Nick, they launched themselves into careers via that medium, you know. And and it's one of those things that you're, like, super proud of because it was a really cool thing. Off half an idea that you had at a party, you know. like. Um, but the the... Ability of the, of the three of us, and which then became a wider team, to to jump on the idea and go, let's give it a nudge, you know. And there are a bunch of acts that we talked into doing it um, when we shouldn't have, when it was <laughs> it was not going, it was not going to work. Um, but we didn't know that, you know, because we, we tried to do it on Wi-Fi, and Wi-Fi just wasn't able to to do it. I've now discovered there's people doing it with Bluetooth, you know, um, and that works much better. But um, you know, you'd meet these Wi-Fi guys, and they'd go, yeah, we can deliver to two thousand devices simultaneously and in your mind you know that they can't but <laughs> but they convince you that they can right up until the moment that they can't because you can you can only test it when you have 2,000 people in a room with their phones trying to connect to one Wi-Fi yep. thing right so um you know but but it was a great it was a great little journey and another one I did was um fiasco you know the fiasco cases absolutely um yes. so uh Matt Waterhouse who used to work for me was working in Macau and he was finishing up with Cirque du Soleil and um, we had been importing um, like a video screen product that was a fabric, uh-huh. pixel drape used to call it, uh, and he was like, we should do something else and he was dead keen on lasers um, <laughs> or or like um, smoke, projection, projection on smoke and stuff like that. So we went to this trade show that just had everything in the world and we looked at all these cool things and, and I was like, oh, it needs to be something like a lot simpler. This is the first time I've ever done something solely for trying to um, turn a buck. You know, like my only motivation was I've done all these things that have been great but probably haven't, you know, turned into the wonderful buck-making thing that I wanted to. So this was, was focused on let's just do something that just turns over some money and gets somewhere. So and we, on the way out, as we were leaving the thing, we came across this little road case-making guy one of a hundred, and he was, uh, whilst he was ethnically Chinese, he was um, educated in Christchurch. So we sort of struck up a bond and we said, let's do some cases, and we bought in container after container and we were designing them and, and um, you know, away we went for, for a few years and then Matt and Joe, Joe came in later, um, decided they had a bit of a different direction to, to what myself and Neil, the other partner, had, so they ended up, running with the ball and now they've got a, a factory in LA and um, as well as here in Cambridge, you know. So they, they're chucking along quite nicely. And they do amazing work, amazing road cases. They solve a lot of problems for people, you know, just those road cases that got all the dividers and... Yeah, they're clever. Really sharp. Yeah, yeah, clever stuff, you know. And, and I mean, live sound are epic and the best road case makers in the country. But there was a gap between that, between awesome and expensive to cheap rubbish that we were trying to sit in the middle of. And I, th- I think we achieved that. And it's a good, I find it a really cool thing because I, I didn't want to leave that company and, and you'd, call it, you'd call it a um, hostile management takeover, I guess, the process, uh, which was hard at the time. Like it's hard when you found something in terms of being a founder. 
and then the people that you work with suddenly go, actually, uh, roll over, old man. Um, <laughs> they didn't say that. Um, and and want to run with it. And for a while, you're like you're kind of like questioning yourself and whatever. But now I roll into Spark Arena to do some show, and there's eight different companies with fiasco cases, and I'm just stoked. You know, I'm just like this is this is cool. You know, and they're in America doing stuff, and I see it, and I'm just going, this is fantastic. You know, roll it, boys. You know, you're doing really well. Um, yeah. And those guys uh, also create the the work from home desks. Yeah, so they they did that over COVID, uh, and I've actually got another friend in Australia, in response to a question that you're going to ask me later on, who has done a very similar thing. Who I, I would, who's a very inspirational guy, who who has done a similar thing. That work from home desks thing um, was a brilliant sideways move by by Fiasco, um, in both countries. You know, I, I think served them well. Um, I don't know the inner workings of what they do anymore, but I caught up with Matt. He came to a show the other day, and it seems like everything's just pumping along, and they got through that whole dry period quite well, and they're um, onwards and upwards. That's amazing. Yeah. I guess just back to the the many businesses that you're looking after, do they ever share resources, you know, staff, equipment? I've uh, I've done quite a few years ago a few gigs in, in New Plymouth, and I recognise faces that few years on they're 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 in the loading dock at uh, Prodco <laughs> yeah yeah look there's been always a lot of cross-pollination um particularly between TSH New Plymouth and production company in Auckland because we are effectively delivering the same thing you know we're 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 sound lighting video drapes staging all that sort of stuff so whenever we're shy of resource we can call on them uh and vice versa um and also with Table Hub like Table Hub exists within um the production company premises and relies on production company for transport and logistics and all that sort of stuff. So, so there's always a lot of cross pollination between the businesses, but also um, I'm just right into collaboration. You know, like I'm right into that kind of vibe, um, and it doesn't have to be with the businesses that I'm, you know, caught up with. It um, that, that tends to be handy, um, but I, I just think if you can um, engage with more people, you get a much wider appreciation of of what they do and what you do rather than – I think if you're – I know a lot of guys um, through the years who are very focused on on their thing and they've become quite narrow in their view. I'm just not that guy. You know, I'm just kind of like – I love working with more and more different people and seeing how people look at a problem from a different perspective and how they solve it. Yeah. Yep. That's that's what I'm finding in my, you know, current journey as a, as a freelance producer is – understanding or learning how all everyone does things differently and then thinking I'm going to learn from you and how can I connect you with that person? Yeah, look, I, I come across people uh, these days who will go, you're catching up and they'll go, oh, that's right, you introduced me to that person and now we're doing this thing together and you're like, yeah, that's cool, you know. I think if you have, and this is this is a, for me a definite byproduct of COVID, is that you, during the really hard times, that whole competitive you know, we're competition and we should never talk, um, thing faded away a bit more. And and you got used to, we're all in the same boat, we've got the same problems, how can we help each other, you know? Uh, and I, I think that's been a really positive outcome. Um, you know, there's no one that I would, um, you know, not do something with, you know? Like, I feel pretty comfortable with everyone in our sphere and that's I think that's a good outcome from there. Like, I think we were all just a little bit, you know, had the blinkers on, just focusing on our own thing, 
you know, and now it's a bit easier to, you know, be a bit I agree, broader. actually. Yeah. yeah. I've found even during COVID using uh, the likes of like Google Docs, Google Sheets, which is, you know, a live document, sharing it with every supplier and client and everything and everyone was feeding into one doc that literally everyone could see. So if you're home for a few months and then you just go out on site, this is obviously when we were up and down in, in yeah. the in the lockdowns, the information was shared, so literally everyone knew what was happening, other than yeah. one document that just only went to me and not you or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it really broke some grounds. I have to agree. It really broke some grounds. As tough as it was, COVID, it was very, um, yeah, it brought a lot of people together. Yeah, and I think as, as business owners, those of us who are, who are owning businesses, I guess, I think we learned to reach out to people that we'd never talked to who were you know, also business owners and kind of go, you're all right, mate? You know, how are you going? <laughs> Can I help you with something? Or, or yeah. you know, we got involved in some random stuff, um, you know, around supermarket queuing and stuff like that, that we were reaching out to get resource from all over the country to get people involved in that and, you know, all sorts of things. Um, mm. And it was really good to be able to kind of go, oh, there's a bit of work for someone doing this, you know. Yeah. Fascinating. I think at the start for me of COVID – it felt isolating. I don't know. It was probably the same for everybody, but it felt quite isolating. But I think I needed to – there was a point where I said, oh, yeah, you've got to reach out to these people. I think everyone was in the same spot, so I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah look, I regret uh, – I love talking about COVID. I regret <laughs> – um, you know, I was I was just in full panic station. I was in full how am I going to keep all the people that rely on me for their weekly income employed mm-hmm. – how am I going to stop the ship from sinking? How am I going to pull some great thing that's going to get us through this next little bit? And that was like happening on the daily and the weekly, just trying to come up with all these things. And we came up, so, you know, like the handy sand thing that we did with hand sanitizer mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I was just like uh, constantly on the on the graph to try and come up with ideas and works to keep, you know, those that we'd you know, employed in, in a good space. And I kind of regret that um, I didn't just sit back on some of that because 80% of it failed, right? Um, <laughs> I didn't yeah. just sit, have the ability to sit back and just like not put so much time into all of that. You know, I'm glad I did. I felt like it was the right thing to do and I feel like, you know, mm-hmm. we kind of got through in a better state because of it. But there was opportunity to be more hanging out with the fam and all that that I didn't – you know, I did, but I could have, I could have, I kind of, in a way, I feel jealous of the people who could just turned their brain off, mm. um, took the subsidy and went off and did something for two years and then came back, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just, I'm just not wired that way, you know. And I couldn't, I couldn't let people go, you know. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it was a funny old time. Yeah, I, th- I guess, you know, you're making decisions based on the information you had and yeah. we can all look back now and say, yeah, you could have done this and that. But at the time, I think for everyone, I mean, I was, you know, I'm not a business owner, but I was fully employed. And But you still, there's these external forces going, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen next month or a year or, or, or what, you know, yeah. next week, you know. So I can tell. Although, although the acceptance of losing it all was quite freeing, you know. Uh, I remember Sarah and I, my wife, sat out on the deck one day and talked about, you know, what was the worst case scenario which was we'll lose everything, you know, but we'll still be intelligent um, people who can turn our, 
hand do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got, you know, we've got a great family and we'll carry on, you know. And I think, I think that was, you know, that was quite a cool thing to go, oh, put all that aside. At the end of the day, you know, we're, we're a great unit, mm-hmm. um, uh, the four of us with the, the grommets and, you know, we will carry on Columbus, you know. It's a lovely way to, yeah, to, to, to look at it that way. That's awesome. Yeah, once I once I got used to the fact that it was probably over, it was a whole lot easier, <laughs> you know. Like we we you know being brutally honest, we had a uh, a runway of of when we knew we were down to two weeks, uh, we knew we were in trouble, and that happened several times. You know that we had enough resource to last two more weeks, and we, and at that point we would have to pull, you know, mm. just walk away, and we got close a number of times, and there were various people in my world that were going roll over. You know, um, just let it be. You can't fight it. You know, uh, and there were others who were going, just get some more money from somewhere, just borrow some more money. You know, and I was like, well, we can't keep on doing that. Mm. Um, so it was a, it was a really interesting time um, to kind of have, you know, a workforce around you that are families. You know, that are you know, everyone sort of reliant. It was a really interesting time to kind of come to terms with a whole lot of thing about yourself and. Yes. Um, mm. You know, and those that you work with, and and people certainly people within my world, they handle things so much differently. You know, and there are people that I was angry with for their approach, but in the end, after a while, was like that. I'm just I'm just wired differently, and and there's neither of us are wrong. You know, correct. Um, it's just that the way I look at it is different to the way someone else looks at it, yep. and um, I need to embrace that. You know, and kind of go sweet. For me, it it made me focus more on doing an exceptional job with the little projects that we had from our clients. Yeah. It was just like we have two things. We have this one job. We don't know where the next one is, but we also have time. So let's – and everything was remote, as, as everybody knows, but it was let's test it and test it and test it. And if there's things mm. that we don't know, we're going to f- find new and amazing ways to do stuff. But we've got time. Let's use it so we can nail it Yeah, because we don't know where the next gig is. Yeah. yeah. It just made us focus – Focus more, and we were the kings of the world, right? Because we were the only ones doing shows. Yeah, um, and we were, you know, like the biggest gig in the world was six sixty touring. You know, the biggest gig in the world. In the world, um, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Is there anything you wanted to touch on? You know, maybe maybe the you know the artists that you tour with. Um, I think I think like for you know for me because I live a complicated world of. Um, I just had lunch with someone who's like the guy in, in sort of music production and I was thinking to myself, you know, music production is part of what I do, uh, corporate production is part of what I do, community events is part of what I do, creativity innovation is part of what I do. It's just a weird situation to find yourself in because you're not um, – you're not necessarily anchored in, in any of those worlds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you kind of like just wander between them aimlessly. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, it's a really it's a really strange um, situation. But we're all, we're all, you know, in terms of the event industry, we're all kind of, we're about um, people's occasions, right? So we're about um, whether it's a wedding or a birthday party or a concert or a, a, a trade show or a launch of a product or whatever. It's a real privilege to be involved in these big occasions in people's 
worlds, you know, mm-hmm. and and probably it's something not to be taken for granted, you know, and just kind of like go, how can we just do some really cool stuff? Because for a lot of people you're doing this thing and it's like the biggest thing in the year or the week or the month or their life, you know. Exactly. Um, it's funny doing those, um, those experience dates lately. People were just drawn back, you know, and I find this a lot with Dobbin, you know, they're drawn back 20 or 30 years and they're just having the best time of their lives, you know. Um, and it's a privilege to be able to, you know, kind of be involved in that. I don't know why I'm saying this. Um, no, <laughs> but, this is you great. But, it just, it just kind of, I don't know. I keep on drawing back to that a lot of the time, just going, you know, we need to remember that we're, you know, custodians of, of great experiences in people's lives and it's not just loading and unloading trucks. Although, in essence, it is loading and unloading trucks. What would you say is the biggest challenge for your business right now? Uh, it'd be resourcing. Um particularly around the human resource in terms of staffing. Um, I think that's – it's weird that that's problematic across the world when there's still the same number of people in the world. Strange, eh? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like no one can no one can find people um, and there's too much stuff and not enough people. So that's that's my biggest challenge at the moment really is, is just getting, um, getting people out doing the stuff that's in front of us. But yeah. everyone's got that same problem. So, yeah. It's fun. You're right. Mm. Where, where are all those people? Is there been an alien abduction? The That's people have all, I mean, they've all gone. No one's no one's working in the cafe. Where did they all go? I was going to say, you know, like not to just to touch on COVID one more time. You know, people got other jobs, but are they staying there? But yeah, there's, yeah. there's clearly some more people somewhere along the way. Hundreds of thousands of baristas are missing. Hey. <laughs> and they've and they've still got a lanyard with a um, you know a production pass <laughs> yeah. still attached to them. Yeah, where are they all? It's bizarre. It's bizarre because every country I talk to has got the same thing. But where mm-hmm. are those people? What are they doing? Do you think it's partly that, and we're coming out of you know the C word, and and all of our clients are like, we're on, let's do it, let's go. Yeah, look, look, there's definitely a bubble, right? It's definitely, um, but it's it's prevalent everywhere. It's it's you can't get a room to stay because they're only using seventy percent of the rooms because they haven't got people to clean them, right? And it's in every country. Uh, I mean, it must sort itself out. Uh, I don't understand it, but um, yeah, it it just seems to be. I don't know of an industry where there's ten people sitting in a room waiting for the phone to ring. You know, like it's bizarre. Goff, where do you get your inspiration from? Other gigs, social media or blogs? Uh, yeah, all of the above. Um, I try to, and I haven't done it for a little while, I try to go to things um, just to be inspired, you know, just to try, try and, you know, not milk ideas, but but be inspired uh, by things. Sarah and I, before we had the kids, we used to go to Vegas a lot um, and put everything on red. Uh, <laughs> spin the wheel. No, we we didn't, um, and we take we take friends, you know, and, and uh, go and see shows. And I found that sort of experience quite cool. Just getting out of your scene and just going and experiencing other stuff, you know. Um, if you're an out end of the world, you know, Vivid is a good place to go and do that. We'll just go to a show, um, you know, and and have a look. Although bizarrely, you can be inspired in the strangest places. But I I do try to. Um, feed the creative part of my brain. And some of sometimes that's just having um, a coffee or a lunch with someone that I find inspirational. And I find the strangest people inspirational. Uh, there's a guy who I won't name who appears to be not inspirational at all, but for some reason I find him quite incredible. <laughs> 
so yeah, I just try, I just try and experience new things, um, and I'm lucky in that in the, I'm involved in a very broad range of events anyway. So often I'll just be working on an event and see another facet of it and mm-hmm. go, well, that's clever. What have been the biggest changes you've seen in the industry over your career? Um, I think I mean obviously the COVID thing. Um, I think that was yeah the single most by far impacting um, thing. I think um, there's a lot more um, operational stuff that you have to work around, which kind of, kind of red tape, you know, whether that's health and safety or um, or around financial stuff or whatever. There seems to be a lot more hoops um, required to be jumped through, and um, that's a significant change. You know, like I, I remember when um, when the health and safety laws changed a few years ago, and you had to kind of like properly engage. Um, that was a big deal, you know, you basically had to employ someone to come to terms with it all. But for, for us, um, it was a really good time to learn that we actually do care about people and we actually do want to make sure everyone's living their best life, you know. But you just kind of think, you know, you don't put that into action until someone forces you to doing it. And then you go, well, actually, this is a core value anyway. Um, so we should rock into that some more. Where do you see the event industry heading in the next two to three years? Like obviously post-pandemic, the hybrid things changing. Yeah, look, mate, I think we're in we're in a bit of a bubble with events at the moment. I think we've, got, we've, we've the brakes were on and now they're fully released. Um, and... In the entertainment space, there's just been a whole lot of people who've just been itching to get out and do stuff. They're out doing it now. Um, in, in terms of the corporate events, you know, there's, there's people trying to catch up on the stuff that they missed. So we're kind of in this massive moment where there's just a whole lot of stuff going on. And, and But it is just a bubble. It'll, it'll mm-hmm. close down. That said, I think people have an innate desire to do things together on, you know, on a larger scale. Um, so I think that, that will always be a thing. People always want to do large-scale events. But I think we'll, we'll have this massive surge and then um, people won't be able to keep buying tickets or, or going to shows or whatever, and it'll, it'll kind of slow down, um, mm. which I think a lot of my um, contemporaries will be very thankful for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think that the hybrid model uh, will always be with us and I think that's a good thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just, just this last couple of weeks... Um, with the weather events that have been happening here, we've gone, you know, we're doing an event, we've gone, oh, now we're going to lose a couple of hundred people who just physically can't get to this event, you know. It's like, oh, but we can we can stream it, remember? We all know how to do that now. I just That's have to right. plug. All I have to do is plug this lead in and now it's out there in the universe. And that's just an awesome thing. You know, there, there literally were people just this last week, who just all of a sudden were unable to get to these events, mm-hmm. um, that we have an option of being able to still include them. And I think I think that's a really cool thing um, that will be with us forever now, you know. We'll, that's right. We'll, if you're unable to get somewhere, you can still do this thing that's not the whole thing, but it's a thing, you know. Yep. Um, which I think is, you know, really good, positive outcome of this whole thing. Just uh, stepping aside from all of our event world, what's your favourite thing to do to relax Mate, this is the hardest question of the entire thing. Um, like, I I love um, escaping, um, you know, like whether that's through movies or, or, or something like that. I like driving around, um, which I happen to do as a result of my business anyway. Um, 
so I, so I like those things. I mean, every non-working hour I have now is kind of about the family, you know. And I'm I've just got, got the two coolest kids that clearly have DNA from their wonderful mother, um, that are just amazing. And and I'm trying to kind of like be there, you know, be present and be there. Um, and it's just a constant battle, really, of trying to kind of find time for such things, you know. I want to take up golf. I feel like I've reached that age that yeah, I, right. should, I should be playing <laughs> golf on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, but currently that's not a, a thing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I should do that probably. That's where deals are made apparently. Yeah, that's where it all happens. So the so Commerce not- Commission says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. What event are you most proud of and why? It doesn't need to be the biggest gig in the world or work with the most famous artist in the world, but it could be something like in your hometown or yeah, just something that you're really proud of. Mate, you're, you're about the fourth person that's asked me this question in the last little while and I do not have an answer. Um, I mean, there are things I've definitely enjoyed. Um, you know, I toured with the Dudes a couple of years ago, you know, the song Bliss and, and that, and it was really good um, kind of reliving those periods, you know, and the same with the with the exponents, and the same with Dobbin. You know, like like, you know, the chance of touring with um, people that were you know your musical heroes growing up is, is a really, it's an amazing privilege. Um, you know, I certainly enjoyed that with the exponents thing. Um, I was I was saying someone said to me the other day, you must have met some amazing people, and I'm like, I just struggled to recall um, anyone. <laughs> But but they said, well, have you met? You know, have you met? Who's the most famous person that you've ever met? And I'm just like, I've got no idea. And then I remember I met a Beatle. I met Ringo, um, and that was cool. And I had a really great conversation with David Byrne from Talking Heads, um, side of stage when he did a solo show about pizza, and he wanted to know what was uh, New Zealand's um, participation in the global pizza conversation like. <laughs> You know, what, what, what were we bringing um, that no one else was to um, literally to the table around pizza, which I clearly knew nothing of, but um, it was a really interesting conversation to have, you know. And I think I've had a lot of those just little tidbits. Um, in terms of a, of a job I've been most proud of, um, I, think, I think that's actually, um, for me, more about not things that I'm doing, but things that I'm working with people that are doing. Like, like we talked about that 660 being the biggest tour in the world um, thing. I'm really proud of my friend Dave, who's the promoter on that. You know, I'm really proud of the band that have pushed themselves to do that. You know, we were involved in stuff with them earlier on, and we still do the odd thing with them today. And I just think mm-hmm. that that's awesome. You know, um, you know, there's guys like Ben Delglish, who you should have on your podcast, who you know, has gone on to do some great things internationally and, and you know, my good friend Stephen Hedges, who's um, working with him, has done some some really cool stuff. I've got mates who are touring around the world with bands doing stuff that's way bigger, stronger, harder, faster than anything I've ever done. And mm. that, and that's, you know, to have been a, a, part, a little cog in, in their story is a really, you know, really cool thing for me. Oh, look, I, th- I think in the music space, and I often default to the music space, um, or sometimes it's the community space where you stop for a moment and you look at the faces of the people that are there um, in the audience and you just kind of go, you are having the time of your life, <laughs> you know, and I've been a little bit of a part bringing that together, you know, yeah, um, which has been really cool. Goff, what keeps you awake at night? 
Mate, I think the climate with events at the moment is there's just so much on um, and resources seem to be somewhat depleted across the board. Um, I, I just worry that things are going to get missed or you're going to you know, not, not deliver at the level you want to deliver or some poor truck driver is going to be driving too much and... Um, you know, just that all that level of redundancy that you love to have doesn't seem to be around like it used to be. And and I do, um, I, mean, I think we've, we've got really good processes that work around stuff, but I, I do worry that, you know, um, people just after a, a prolonged period of doing nothing and they're doing too much. And, and I do worry that we'll spread ourselves too thin or the people that we rely on will spread themselves too thin. So that worries me, particularly around, around um, you know, kind of the, the health and safety side of it, I guess. I've always been um, a little bit um, health and safety uh, prone in my thinking. Um, my son will be the one who puts a knife into a into a wall socket, you know. Like, my daughter is, like, super cautious, super aware, and my son is a daredevil. And I, I, I lean towards my, my daughter's side. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of things and I, and I do you know it is concerning so that, that that worries me a little bit but um but not too much last year at the end of 2022 everyone i spoke with had this issue of capacity and everyone being overworked are you still seeing that now we're, we're in the middle of 2023 yeah yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it is there, there just doesn't seem to be i mean i mean i think to be fair the live music side of it's probably abated a little bit here so there's more people around looking for work um but um, yeah, no, I still still feel it's it's a bit the same. I think it'll uh, it's getting better, but um, I still feel like everyone's spread pretty thin. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know anyone who's not looking for staff, right? Um, you know, that's all you ever see is people um, looking for staff. So that makes me think that everyone's just still crunching along. Golf. What is the single most valuable piece of advice you would give someone who is starting out in our event industry? Mate, I think I'll go with two single most um, things. I think number one, follow your passion, which I think for me, I don't, I often don't consider what I do um, to be work because I'm, I'm pretty passionate about it. I love doing it, um, and I'd probably do it anyway. I think my, I've got this default problem where I don't equate my my pay packet to what I do. I just go and do stuff and then weekly money comes in and they're not related. It's kind of a strange thing. So I think if you, you know, follow your passion um, and just try and be, you know, excellent at, at what you do and try and um, progress yourself um, down that road uh, and and who knows what doors might be open. You know, I've seen um, I've seen some, some great stories for people who've just kind of dug in and stuck with their guns and they've had a hard time um, getting going, but once they – they get there, it's it's all good, you know. So I, I think uh, I, I would say that's that's number one. And then the secondary one is just around that collaboration thing, um, which I, I think you just need to um, to view uh, or not not view um, competitors or, or other people in your workplace um, as as enemies. You know, I think I think that if we can all work together to to put on really great events, um, then that'll help everybody you know and particularly when you're um you know maybe some areas of what you do you're not that great at if you can get um you know collaborate with a wider team that that can fill in your gaps then the whole thing gets stronger you know particularly particularly like i think about um 
you know, production company here, you know, like such an awesome team and, and, you know, Lance, who's our GM, he's got completely different skills to me, although some of our skills are different. Um, and, and Pete, who's our operations manager, I mean, he has just got detail like I don't know, you know, and system orientated. And, and if I spent my time doing that, you know, I would, I would do an average job and take a long time to do it. Um, but he's, you know, he's super focused. And Simon, you know, on the, on the producer front, you know, he has a completely different eye and lens than I do. And I, I think, you know, the same is true of, of you know, all, all the guys here. We all look at stuff a little bit different. And when you combine that together um, in that sort of collaborative mindset, you know, you get, a, you get a really, really good result. So so I think I think don't just be that that lone wolf, you know, Build a build a team, and don't be afraid to, um, you know, ring up ring up someone who's doing exactly the same thing as you, and and you kind of think of as being um, a competitor, and just catch up and go. Well, how can we help each other? How can we all do better? You know, I think that's um, that's an attitude that will will serve you well. Goff, who is one person you'd recommend I chat with on the podcast? Mate, you need to meet Jeremy. He's Australian. He's from Australia. Down, You'll have to talk. Yeah, talk slowly. Um, don't mention ice cream or Pablo, but uh, Jeremy <laughs> Fleming, Stage Kings. Uh, so he, um, they build really big stages. He has some degree of Dutch in his bloodstream, which makes <laughs> him a top bloke. Um, and he did uh, a very similar thing with that work from home desk thing, ISO King, they call it uh, in Sydney. And uh, I, got, I got to know him. He's a scaffolder by trade. Uh, he grew up building bridges out of wood. I'm just pulling the most random things out of this guy's life that I can. Um, anyway, I'll introduce you to him. He's a top bloke. He's done a lot of podcasts in Australia. He got through the pandemic like a trooper. And, um, yeah, I reckon you should have a chat to him. Awesome. Yeah, will do. I think he supports the Wallabies, though. He definitely supports the Swans. Ah. Yeah, so that could be problematic. Well- in, in my recent time here, or back here in Sydney, I, I've discovered that there's a Western Sydney AFL team. I'm from Western Sydney, so, yeah, I'm like, oh, I don't know about the Swans anymore. Yeah, the Rooty Hill Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> the Vegas of the West. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We used to have a theme park. That's what we're known for. This is completely off topic. I discovered... It was probably about a year ago that there was a Footrot Flats theme park in Teatatu Peninsula. You are such a shit New Zealander. <laughs> we all know that. Of course there was. Come Didn't on. Even know. Yeah, for a while and the dog. A friend of mine said, oh, yeah, I remember that. And they used to drive the, well, I don't know what they were, go-karts, something. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, you had to be raised in an Auckland-centric environment to have known about Footrot Flats. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I ever went there, but I was aware of it. I was aware of Great it, Great yeah. soundtrack. Yes, um, that is very true. Let's rock, let's rumble, let's get canine is one of my favourite songs from that <laughs> soundtrack. Um, um, that was a that movie was a big thing here, I must admit. So when I came to New Zealand, I knew all those songs. So it's funny watching it back. I watched it not that long ago with the kids, and it's just it's like not what you remember it being. <laughs> yep, you know, it's like oh, um, and look, look, you know, obviously because I spent a lot of time with. Um, Sir David, um, mm-hmm. you know, like that soundtrack's amazing. You know, it's it's a mm-hmm. it's a nice little piece of that time, you know, mm-hmm. and um, you know Annie Crummer and Herbs and yes, you know all that. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Good time. Yeah. Um, when I landed in New Zealand, my um, girlfriend, she's Canadian. I was like, oh, I've got to watch this movie. And yeah, the same. I was like, 
Yeah, it's not really what I remember. Yeah. But, yeah. Still a classic, though. Which is weird because the castle's still okay, right? It is. That's weird. It is real funny. Yeah. Okay. Castle's legendary. Well done, Australia. Stand strong. Yeah. <laughs> Your land is good by sea. Yeah. <laughs> it's going straight to the pool room. <laughs> And finally, Goff, uh, you know, we're going to uh, close this interview. Where can our listeners find you and your businesses? Hey, well, uh, theproduction.co.nz uh, is where the production company hangs out um, and tsh.co.nz is where our New Plymouth business is. I have a little uh, side thing, um, goff.co.nz, which has garnered me quite a lot of Phil Goff's emails over the years um, particularly when he was in Parliament and I recall sending an email to someone saying that whilst I'd like to help them with their uh, expansion of the timber market in China, <laughs> wasn't really the guy. So golf.co.nz just has a bunch of stuff that, that I've done, you know, and um, points you in the direction of those things. So that's yes. a, a good spot. Um, and I, hopefully I'll someone talked me into doing, creating that site during COVID, although I had the domain for forever. Um, I was just saying you should put these things down somewhere so that people you can refer to things like Table Hub and stuff and people can know where to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can look at that like Make Light video from wherever that was um, yeah, well. and the Puffer Cover stuff. It's, yeah, it's quite some quite cool stuff there. Awesome. Well, Goff, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast and to all of our wonderful listeners out there. Thanks for listening as always. And uh, as we say, we'll see you on the next one. Excellent. Thanks, mate. Awesome. Been a pleasure. If you want to hear more from the Event Debrief, please consider subscribing as well as sharing it with the people you know. It will really help us grow the channel. If you want to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook and simply search for The Event Debrief. Feel free to send us a message. I like it when listeners say hi. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and as always, thanks for listening.